What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 523 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Today's show is a recording for the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube live show. Go subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube. Today's show, we discuss the Harden Clippers fit. Will Tyler Hero become an NBA All-Star this season? And the crazy finish to the OKC Warriors in-season tournament game and so much more. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. What is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. NBA season is here. Check out my IG stories for more about prize picks. Testing my skills on prize picks this basketball season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you could turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePix and use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right. Go to PrizePix and use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy prize picks today's show is also brought to you by good drills the all-encompassing app for basketball skill development and strength training just a fantastic way to work on your game learn more about it in the show notes click the link sign up for good drills let's get into it Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you early on a Monday morning this time. I'm always with me. I've got Andrew Combo Sellup to discuss the latest and greatest in the NBA. Combo, how was, uh, how was how are you doing today? How was your weekend? My weekend was great. It was oh. great. How was yours? Uh, it was okay, but I'm realizing that uh, one quarter of my Michael Jordan poster is falling down, and that doesn't look good, but I'll have to... I'll have to fix that. Maybe live. You'll get to see me adjust my uh, my, my wall uh, decorations. But uh, weekend was great. Uh, relaxed a little bit. Did some stretching. Um, mm. You know, snuck a workout in there. So I'm happy. Nice. I, I ran the hill yesterday. I do that once a week at least. So that Ooh, was fun. I like hill running. Hill is terrific. Sprints. Yep. Uh, I had a, you know, I, I did a video on um, how Harden is going to fit in. Dropped that yesterday uh, with the Clippers. And uh you know, it, ang- it angered some uh, some Russ fans, as they always do. So how do you feel about Ty Lue saying that James is going to play off the ball? You know, we saw a little bit of that in uh, in Philly. I-, I wish I had seen that close. I-, I was digging through stuff, and I was wanted to get it out, so I didn't put a- um, some other things in there like I'm the system or I, I-, I- – you know, that was another interesting one, which is interesting because uh, we got to talk about that too. We can pull that apart, but – um, I mean, listen, without question, they're going to have to balance their ISOs, uh, right? So Harden will be off the ball a lot more because you have two other terrific ISO players as well. So I think maybe that's what he means. But um, here's the thing. They have some nice options uh, off of high post entries, which they show with Russ. But Russ would go elbow, and then they do some interesting pin downs and stuff for the for Kawhi and uh, Paul George. If you haven't seen it, go watch it uh, now or after we're done here. Um, and so I'm really, really praying that they're going to get Harden on the elbow. I don't think he's ever really gone to the elbow to make, you know, back to the basket in horns kind of stuff or like get action. Um, I, I'm really excited about that possibility if they can get him to do it. Can you picture that? Yeah, I actually could picture him playing, you know, the four, uh, partly because on defense, he guards fours better than three twos or ones. So I think the guy is so skilled that in the modern NBA, he could play multiple positions. Let me throw this out there because I was looking a little bit at defense and people wanted to tell me that uh, Russ has been really playing great defense this year. And I dug through some clips defensively, but I focus obviously more on offense this year. 
So I'm kind of confused about that. But I did dig into some Harden. I just wanted to go back and grab, you know, I watched, I don't know, 50 Harden, um, you know, ISO defense, uh, defensive possessions and some other spot ups. Just I'm like, OK, let's grab all the terrible stuff to show how bad he is on defense. And guess what? There's a lot of really good possessions that Harden played. Now, you have to remember, defensively, you can play awesome defense and get scored on. Right. And then it looks like a negative, you know, checkbox in your categories, even though you played really good defense. The guy just hit a good shot. Um, he was engaged. There was a lot. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, did I see 25 clips where I was like, whoa, he's cutting the guys off. He's physical. He's, you know, and he's, he's focused. He's not just losing his man on the weak side. Um, so, you know, if they can get any amount of that out of him and we did see a little bit of movement into as a regular offensive player in Philly's system. Um, I will say it doesn't sound like Harden would ever say anything nice about Doc, uh, right? It sounds like the whole Philly experience for him was terrible, right? That's fair. The interesting thing was is that once Doc was gone, James still wanted out, but I guess that was because of his relationship with Maury going sour. Right. I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, once you make that decision, it's hard to kind of go back from that, even though he wanted to get on the team plane and he wanted to kind of maybe reintegrate himself. And they're like, no, you're not doing any of this. We're, you're going to be gone. And again, they made a trade that I wasn't that impressed with as far as what they got back. Um, but we talk about when we talk about Harden on defense. So they they gave um, the Clippers gave up Batum, who was their guy. They like to play as a small ball five when they really mm -hmm. want to shift the tables and make it tough on the other team. Well, you can have Harden in that role. And I found a bunch of clips, you know, guarding the post where he's always been good at that. And uh, you might be able to get away with that as well, where you really can, you know, make it difficult for the other team by playing. You know, I mean, I, listen, Russ is Russ. And Russ, I think, could find um, a really good role off the bench going against second units and playing about 28 minutes a game. Because, the, you know, I, you know, the problem is, is he's so um, all over the place, right, that – as a coach, you don't want that kind of inconsistency, right? And this is not about playing in the regular season. I think that's the other thing that people are getting caught up. I, I, I will patiently discuss this on Twitter when the, the Russ fans come at me screaming and yelling bloody murder. Um, did you happen to see the video, by the way, yet? Yeah, I watched it. Okay. So there's a I – I, you know, I have a section in there where we're showing the, the turnovers. This is a very young season, Combo. There's been five games they've played. <laughs> he's already turned in some of the most ridiculous turnovers I can imagine in the backcourt, like stepping on one foot, balancing, throw, trying to throw it somewhere else, and just throwing it down the court to the other team. I mean, it, it's like as a coach, you can't have that, right? That can't be the kind of plays that you see now when you know that when you go up against a team in the second round or the, the conference finals, like you can't rely on a guy who can who makes plays like that consistently, can you? No, I mean, I think he definitely pushes pace. And then when you're that type of player, you happen to get a lot of turnovers while Coach Nick fi fixed his poster. I would ask you, like, your thing was that you felt the reason why the Clippers felt like they needed Harden was because Russell wasn't the point guard for the playoffs. But I want to ask you, like, how do you feel that, not to harken back to what I asked you already, but, like, Ty Lue is basically saying that Russ is going to still be with the ball and we're going to see more Harden off the ball. Oh, so is that what you took from that? That that Russ is going to be the guy controlling the ball, and, and as versus the other two, Kawhi and, and PG. Well, I think it does make some kind of sense because Harden, PG, and Kawhi are all better shooters. So right. I mean, they'll have more gravity than Russ, and Russ could push pace and you know break the game wide open. That's um, what I think. That's yeah. He should be doing that in, in the second teams. Let him have. Let him eat a little bit there. Um, and just, you know, it's like as a coach, you're sort of like uh, you have a chisel and a hammer and you're slowly whittling away the marble into a statue. Right. So you have to kind of whittle away the things that aren't going to work so well. And that would be basically it's Russ's minutes, like get, get him, get the best minutes from him and then figure out the ways where you can kind of chisel off the ones where you're going to get these outrageous turnovers or it, even the let's just throw the turnovers out. OK, let's pretend he he, he really just. You know, there was a moment, I think, with the Lakers where he kind of became broken, right? Like, I think he knew they were tired of him they, or whatever it was. They were, he was going to be gone, right? There, it was kind of sad. Uh, there were moments on the bench where you could see him, like, coming up to LeBron and AD. And it was like, you just got a sense that he and everybody knew. But in that moment, he kind of um, was a lot less aggressive and he wasn't turning the ball over as much. 
right? And it was after that time after the game where he said it didn't matter if he turned the ball over, right? And everyone blew up. I don't know if you remember that. And then he went on a run where it was like he he was just he he wasn't the same Russ, but at least he wasn't making a lot of egregious mistakes. So you might be able to get that out of him again here as well. But again, this is all about th- figuring out. Um, oh my God, did I say playing on the title? Oh my gosh, I was in a hurry. I meant, of course, season tournament. Thank you, watching Lakers. Maybe I'll change the title of this video. Um, anyway, the point being was that you can get that best version of Russ. I think you know when you can just figure out the best lineup, the best minutes to play him in, and I don't think it's more than thirty. So um, why can't Russ be like, um, look what Christian Brown did for Denver. Why can't Russ do some of that, even with the starters? Like, just be the guy who hustles and pushes pace and maybe guards different positions and, you know, kind of like the guy that finds all the garbage points, if you will, but even at a higher level than Christian Brown because he's so much of a more talented person. Um, Well, okay. And are are you trying to make a point that, like, uh, Christian Brown also does not have any gravity either? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's why that role fits so well. He could cut through space. Yeah. You know, that's well, another way to get, that's, an, that's another way to get gravity. And I also do feel like James Harden was really good with Joel Embiid last year with the basketball in his hands. And I feel like he's still a top 30 guy. That means the Clippers still got three top 30 guys. And I think that does put them into, into contention, even if it's not the top tier of that. Yeah, it's different. It's different. Uh, I mean, Christian Brown and, and Russell Westbrook, in my mind, I don't know how I would be able to, you know, compare those two at all. But um, and that's what's worse, because I was about to say, like, you know, throw out the, the turnovers. OK, let's pretend that he can kind of get that under control, even though, you know, we really haven't. He's always like had these egregious turnovers off the dribble where they just fall out of his hand or he goes out of bounds, all that sort of stuff. But let's just pretend he cleans that up. It is the spacing that is a severe problem. And for him, we've already seen player uh, teams when they've had a couple of days to prepare or whatever, where they, they'll put a center on him, they'll completely ignore him, and the rest of the offense suffers greatly. And it makes all those ISOs that PG and Kawhi are amazing at so much harder. And when you get to the, the playoffs, they don't make those shots like they would in the regular season. It's a different animal. The pressure is a lot higher. Uh, the players are a lot better, especially when you get to the second round and the third round. So again, I'm not talking about, can they be a top five offense with Russ out there playing a bunch of minutes uh, in the regular season? Sure. But are they doing that against, you know, 15 really bad defensive teams? Yeah. And I'm, so I'm always been looking through this and I think that's the, maybe the problem that a lot of the Russell Westbrook fans have a hard time with is that they can point to plenty of highlights that I, that you can do against, you know, the worst teams in the league or like even the, even the good teams as well in the regular season. It's always been how will this work in the playoffs? And that's the big key here. Um, and if you want to get it going for the playoffs, you don't want to just sort of spin your wheels and let them play 34 minutes now. And then all of a sudden, oh, we're going to cut them in the, in the playoffs and then have different lineups, you know, out there that haven't played together. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think they have the greatest chance to win a championship. I think this brings them closer. But they're up against two things against other teams that they just don't have, and that's culture and chemistry. Like, these teams that are legit title contenders, they have culture set, they have chemistry set, and even though these guys have, these team has some really talented players, they don't have that, so they're going to really have to defy the odds even with the talent that they now have. Right. And, and you know, uh, Casey Supersonic makes a point about how they love his leadership, Russ's leadership. Uh, okay, you know, I, I, I guess they do, you know, I mean, but by the way, Russ is probably a really fun guy to hang out with. He seems kind of nutty and funny and all that stuff too. So that's all good. Um, but again, uh, from a coaching standpoint, uh, it's the plays in the court. This is the make or miss league. You cannot have a guy that just, you know, and by the way, he started out really hot. So he was shooting really well for the first couple of games. It's already starting to come back down to earth. Uh, they've adjusted the three point shot a little bit more. And we saw this a little bit, maybe at the end of last year, there's something weird with his release now where the arm goes up even higher. Like almost who's this? Who's, who's this? Russ on the three. So he was oh. shooting better, but like he had one really good three-point shooting game and the other ones weren't great. So he's kind of all up and down. Um, as there, as then perhaps someone was saying that they have, you know, one of the shooting coaches there was working with him. But if you notice, like what I'm looking at, I didn't study it really deeply, but I saw a bunch of them where as he shoots it, you know, his this arm, I, my elbow, my shoulder is so screwy these days. It goes a lot higher than this on the release up. And I, and that doesn't seem to me the great energy transfer to get it going. He also will still hang in the air on some of those, which again, to me means he's going to be, you know, 33, 34% tops. 
Um, and I, you know, here's the interesting thing: he could get to 36 percent or 37, kind of close to average on threes. They still won't guard him out there, right? Like that's the other problem. I, I don't think at this point in his career he's going to attract the gravity that they would need. Um, and so, you know, I, that that's going to be the issue again. This is not about the getting the first round of the playoffs. You know, we're getting past that. This is me thinking about obviously the this is their last chance, right? That's why they're bringing Harden in now. This is the last chance to get the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard thing to work. I don't, I, I don't even know that they, they're both uh, are their contracts over at this year after this year. Yeah, I think that you know Harden, PG, and Kawhi are all up for a new contract, so that's going to be interesting as well. They're all going to want to get their numbers too. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna, I just really want to check before I speak out of turn. Actually, no, it looks like he's got a con- he's under contract. Who? Uh, it's a, for 24-25. That's Kawhi is. Oh, wait a minute. It's an option. It's a player option. Yeah, so never mind. So, yeah. Um, so it's a problem. Like, this is this is everyone's last chance to make this all work. And so, um, you know, that, that this is the, this is how it's going to be measured. Do they get to the finals, right? So yeah, it's, more, it's more about winning than individual numbers for them right. to all extend and get a big contract next for their next go-around. Right, exactly. And, and you know, especially if they're at the Kawhi's part of his career, this is all what it's, it should be about. And uh, although that said, it looks like he's got a $48 million player option, $48 million that he would turn down. Like, I can't believe he would. No one's going to give him that much money. So um, I got to look at PG's situation is either way. Um, so that that's going to be an interesting conundrum. And that's why they needed to upgrade that position. They needed more production. They needed more spacing from the backcourt. And um, I don't know exactly how they're going to make it work with Russ with them as much. Again, it, there, there's better lineups, I think, that they're going to be able to find um, with those with the Zubots and the other three. So that that's the interesting question, if they can do that. I, and again, I could be I really wrong, but there's so much data that we have for Russ that we know how this is, you know, we can make a pretty educated guess how that's going to play out. I mean, Russ has been okay to good since he's been with the Clippers. He's been good. I think the biggest thing is, like, if they stay healthy. That's even more important of a topic, yeah. don't you think? Like, if they don't stay healthy, they have no chance. If everybody stays healthy, they have a chance. You know, now that they have Harden, it's possible that, like, if PG goes down, then they can still run out. For the regular games. season. For the regular season, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, right. Okay, again, right. So we have to make sure the asterisk is always there. We're talking about the conference finals, right? That's pretty much – that that would be the the bare minimum they need to do to have a successful season, I would think. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and it's going to be very, right. very very tough because again, like Denver looks like they're gonna they have the glow. I don't know if anyone beats them, but yeah. let's get we have some super chats we have. So don't forget if you want your questions asked and answered, we will uh, do that with a super chat on YouTube. It's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, best friend of the breakdown, the Drew Show. It's great to see you here. Thank you so much for joining us and been being so generous with your super chat. Here's the question. We all know this Clipper situation is headed for the hardened version of Dennis Rodman on the Spurs on the sideline with his shoes off. Must see TV. You know what's hilarious about that is that um, in some weird way, I was going to do a video a while back about this, but the Dennis Rodman almost created the Spurs dynasty that we had after that. Because when they traded him to the Bulls, they got Will Perdue back. And then maybe a pick in there. And then they turned Will Purdue into something that like turned into Manu. It was some weird thing where you could kind of trace it back to the Rodman thing. But yes, we cannot forget um, how much of an SHIT show that was. Um, it wasn't Popovich. Who was the coach then? It was um, the white hair guy with the glasses, right? Um, and that's not Dale Harris. It's um, Bob. No. Anyone know? Anybody in the comments going to tell me who the hell the coach was in the Spurs? I guess I'll look it up. Bob Hill. I want to say it's Bob Hill. Let's see if my brain is still working well. All right. Let's see. Teams, Spurs. What year was that? Anyone remember? Did they say? No. It had to be 99, right? I think so. I actually wrote a letter to the LA Times that was published about um, about Rodman uh, going to the, to the – was it the Spurs? No, I think they were talking about the, him going to the Lakers before he went to the Bulls, and I wrote a thing about that, but – it was 99. Um, let's see. The coach was – oh, no, it was Popovich. Popovich was there. It was Hill was there uh, in 96, 97, unless that was the year. Let's look at that real quick. Um, if that was the year that Rodman was there. Let's see here. Rodman. Nope. It wasn't there in 96, 97. All right. This is going on too long. Let's see. No, 97, 98. So I guess it was Popovich. Now, here's the thing about Popovich. We're not going to light him on fire. No, so Will Purdue was already on the team by – 98, 99. So it had to be. I don't know. Let's find out by looking up Rodman. That's how about doing it the best, the, the smart way. Look up San Antonio. Here it is. Oh, whoa! It was way earlier. It was 94, 95. Wow. 
So, um, and then 93, 94. So that was two years. Do you remember that being two years in San Antonio? Who, Dennis played two years in San Antonio? Dennis Rodman? Yeah. I always thought it was like 20 games. I think, I think, yeah, I think that was the Mavs stint, right? It was like 20 games. Yeah, right. Or the so Lakers, was, or the Lakers, right? So I was right. It was Bob Hill. So Dennis Rodman played there. So that's the thing is when you, if you treat Dennis Rodman like, the, the old school coaches would have t- uh, treated him for like the hundred years up until the night, you know, until the, now, then you're going to get that kind of results is what you saw. You know, he would completely rebel and take his shoes off the whole thing. And then, you know, Phil Jackson figured some things out and understood how to uh, channel him. And it was like, if you're going to do what you do defensively and rebounding wise, then that's fine. That's all we're going to expect you to do. And, you know, and whatever disruptions you're going to try and make, we're not going to allow you to disrupt it. We're not going to be disrupted, you know. Um, and then I think that he was able to exist in that in that circus. Uh, but it, it required, you know, a teammate like Michael Jordan out there who's, you know, not going to be phased, Scottie Pippen and all the rest of them. So, um, they're like Rodman, do, they're like Rodman, do what you do as long as you're doing what you do for us on the court. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it doesn't interfere, interfere with what you do. Right. Right. And yeah. if you start to rebound less or defend worse or whatever, then we have a, a problem. And I think uh, Dennis was able to gravitate towards that and, and understand. And it probably helped him, you know, quote unquote, behave a little bit better, even though he still had all sorts of wild stuff going on outside of the team, like, you know, putting on a dress and marrying himself or whatever that whole thing was back in the day. Um, it didn't affect the team, you know, and they didn't mind and they were completely accepting. So that's a real important lesson to learn at that level, at least. I, I would imagine like a high school coaches would say, well, we need to be able to put our thumb on this guy and uh, and influence him so he's be a better person, yada, yada, at that age. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still not sure that works either. But um, at any rate, um, I, I don't I don't know. The question is, is Harden going to finally learn some lessons and like take this a little bit more seriously or whatever, or really, really try and integrate himself to the team? I mean, you know, um, he certainly he was, knows these guys really, really well. They all kind of grew up together in L.A. Um, so so that might be something that's different than it was before, although we did have a little bit in the OKC. I mean, he was good with the Sixers. He was a really good player with the Sixers. Yeah, so I think he'll be a really good player with the Clippers. I don't see why yeah. not. Right. Anyhow, so thank you, Drew Show. We have another super chat. Let's get to that one from Alan Tran, another friend of the breakdown. Thank you, Alan. So so generous of thank you to you. help us. Uh, just keep the show going. Um, Russ would be best as a sixth man. Harden is a better floor general, creator, and spacer, but neither can defend. Powell or man should start over Russ. Now, Alan, uh, if you talk to some some Russ fans and some Clippers fans, they're going to tell you that Russ has been terrific defensively while he's been in in, in L.A., Nothing really jumped out at me on that end, though. But um, but okay, we can accept that. We can accept that Russ might be a better defender than Harden. Uh, I think my take on that was if you put around him, you know, there are like Zubats is a good rim, rim protector. Uh, you have obviously have PG and Kawhi are like you know, especially we're talking about the playoffs, are fantastic defenders, right? So um, you know, Terrence Mann is a good defender. Like you could you could hide them a little bit and cover for them a little bit uh, and get what you need from them. So I'm not sure defense is really going to be the the main issue here. What do you think? I mean, Kawhi's defense is TBD because he's been through so many injuries. Like, will he be Toronto Raptors Kawhi defensively? I don't know. Only time will tell. PG PG thirteen just has such fail on both sides of the floor that I'm confident he'll be good on both sides of the floor. The guy really has no weaknesses in his game. So with him as well, it's just all about health. Right. I, I think Kawhi can, you know, quote unquote, suck it up and just deal with the pain when he gets when he needs to and make plays. And, and but, even, a, but even dealing with the pain, is he as good as Raptors Kawhi defensively? No, but oh. but 85, 80 percent of Kawhi on defense is still yeah. really, really great. And uh, I'm a lot. So um, so that's the thing. I mean, it's going to be a real, real challenge for Ty Lue to figure out how to make all this work in, in season without a lot of practice time. Um, but again, these guys are so familiar with each other that the chemistry that they might develop on the court is probably already there. If it, if it's going to develop, they probably already sort of have that feel. They played together, you know, all these years in the summer. So, um, so that's probably what they're banking on. But either way, if I'm the ownership and I'm in the front office, I know that you needed to do something. You needed to bring in a guy who's got much better gravity, um, and a, a better score. And uh, this is the best version of that you can get, you know, now you ha- you're bringing all the other baggage and that's going to be the question is, is it going to be enough of a distraction in the problem? And will this team fold under that kind of distraction or will it just be resilient like the bulls were with Rodman and, um, and, and handle it and take care of their business um, in, in a per- perfect situation, injuries aside, how far are they getting? 
Oh, in a perfect situation? Yeah. I think they could beat anybody. Oh, man. Can I they think beat they, they could beat anybody in the West except Denver, I think. You know, because Denver's got an interesting thing because it, it just came up. Um, who was talking about it? Maybe it was uh, – I'll tell you in a second. They beat somebody, and they had all this size, and um, they were the other, the other team was like, we need we need some more size. Maybe it was Luka. Luka lost to Denver, yeah. And he was saying, you know, when you're talking about Aaron Gordon, it's because it's not just um, Jokic. Aaron Gordon is massive, and he's and he's fast, and he's quick, and, he's, and, he's and he has great hands. MPJ is very long and tall. It's like, and so uh, you know, offensively, it's like hard to even affect his shot because he's so big. Um, you know, that, that that's a front line that's going to be really tough to deal with. And you're talking about PG and Kawhi and, and their front line with Zubats, let's say. You know that's interesting. It's it's you know it's two different versions of a, of a, a way a path you can go in the modern game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how well they handle that. I mean, Gordon could go down low and take either Kawhi or PG. Yeah, I mean that's an issue for every team um, because he's like their third or fourth option depending on where you place mm -hmm. MPJ, and he's an absolute difference maker. He was like Aaron Gordon was like the Andrew Wiggins for Denver, just like an all-star level talent that learned how to sacrifice and fit a role to a T. Sure. Now, uh, and Allen's perfectly right. Russ should be the best uh, as a sixth man. And, um, you know, the question is Powell or man. I mean, I think man is the guy who's going to start when he gets back uh, after the ankle injury. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell because man's got to come back that he hasn't played at all this year. I don't believe yeah. so. He's, he's, he's going to be huge for them. He has to be good. He has yeah. to be really I mean, he's, good. He better be huge. They didn't want to trade him for uh, Harden. So, you know, well, they, they, they want to keep him for a reason. They got, well, they, they got that done. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so we'll have to see how that plays out, but it's going to be uh, fascinating, but it kind of, it, the same argument for me applies to like the Suns, for instance, you know, until Bradley Beal gets on the court, I, I, I'm not even sure I want to watch him. And not, nothing about that it will speak to me until I can see them with their three guys out there and however else they're going to fill in the rosters because, um, you know, that's a very potent three, KD and Booker and Beal, right? Like that should be, um, you know, a team that could really cause a lot of problems. I think so. I also think that it's nice to have a three that is not as redundant as those three. I feel like those three are the same player, just KD happens to be seven feet, and that's what makes him an all-time great. I think it's always beneficial to have your three best players be a mix of skill sets, kind of like how we look at Clay, Draymond, and Steph. I think those are when teams are at their best, when you have elite talent, but they fit each other really well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the question is, do they fit? I mean, and by the way, is it clear to you that they fit? No, I mean, how are we going to know? We haven't seen it yet, but uh, just looking at the skill sets, they're all guys that like like to get in the mid-range. Obviously, they're great three-point shooters when they want to shoot it, but they're going to have to shoot a very high percentage from two. But when you're that great, maybe you could just figure it out because they are really, really great talents. And obviously, right. KD is, a, in my opinion, a top 10 guy of all time. So that never hurts to have one of those guys on your team, right? Absolutely. All those things. And so yeah. the question is, is yeah, it's not clear to me, by the way. Yeah, there, there are times when you'd say, yeah, that would fit great. But this one is not clear yet. I, I'm going to the, the jury is out. New coach. They're going to have to figure it all out. I would say that Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen are great fits for that team, though. I really like what they're doing with those two. But it all comes down to health at the end of the day for their main three, for their big three. For sure. Well, we have another uh, super chat from the Drew Show. Thank you so much, Drew Show. Again, always uh, generous as, as as all generous to me. I'm all in for the Harden Shiz Show Carnival. Are you? <laughs> so, uh, playing on my uh, my tagline of you in. Um, I mean, listen, I'm in. I'm going to watch it. It's going to be compelling. And you know, and listen, when Harden gets going and him doing his thing with the setting up guys and creating openings for PG and Kawhi, like that's going to be really fun. I mean, it should be really great basketball, and, and and it should be pretty. I'm not a thing. I don't think that ISO ball is very pretty, right? And they don't move too much. They don't pass the ball too much. But um, but so so I'm always looking for like high post entry. By the way, I, I just think I discovered this. The only thing that's getting me, um, um, whatchamacallit, hang on, let me just hit this button. Uh, the only thing that's, that gets me going these days, if I'm looking for like good half court sets is, uh, is high post entries. I don't know why that that's what I'm like. Oh, that's, I noticed that the other day. So I went through, uh, two or three of the, of the play in games. Oh, sorry. The play in games. Gosh, darn it. The, um, the tournament, tournament. Yeah. Uh, NBA cup. Oh, I don't know what they're going to call it. Um, and, uh, and whenever I, I was wanted to grab some cool sets that were, they scored, and then I'll just do a whole highlights package for tomorrow. So stay tuned. I'm going to do that thing for uh, all the play in games. 
So I'll do it go in the future the day after, but this will be a little bit later. But I'm going to go through and just do an overview of the games from the play-in. And the only ones I've been grabbing these days are all like high post entry splits, cuts, backdoor, whatever. Those are exciting to me. And um, I can I just again I'm praying. Watch, go watch the the, the video. Uh, you'll see the set in there where they have uh, Russ go to the high post and then they do pin downs for PG and Kawhi. Uh, that is uh, that is the offense is going to unlock a lot for them, and they've got to pray that um, they do that. Let Harden get there. Uh, and then Drew's got one more. The Drew Show's got one more super chat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the Clippers on his brain. Title of this Clippers season: To Live or Die in L.A. Which again, have you ever? Seen, you haven't seen that movie, To Live and Die in L.A., have you? Mm-mm. Bill Peterson. Um, it's a really, really, really good movie. Gritty, uh, violent, um, all about L.A. Kind of captures L.A. in the '80s. Um, so Whoa. yes, they, they should probably have that on their T-shirt: To Live and Die, to Live or Die in L.A. Uh, and shout out to Billy, William Freakin, who just died. Uh, William Freakin, who, who directed The Exorcist, uh, of a movie I just watched, and was also a Chicago guy, fellow Chicago filmmaker. So uh, we'll pour one out for him. Been bragging since the 80s, baby. Who said that, Coach Nick? Been bragging since the 80s? I don't know. Jay-Z. Proceed. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, anyhow, all right, so where are, we in, where are we now? Let's. Oh, I'm sorry, we have some more uh, Super Chats. Let's grab those while we're at it because we want to make sure everyone gets their, the love. So, Case Kajani, thank you. Thank you so much for the Super Chat. What's wrong with the Kings so far this year? Have you watched, yes, have you watched the Kings? Not much, to be totally transparent. Been yeah. focused on the Clippers, the Mavs. Well, you one know. of the reasons is they, they had to play you know, the, the Warriors a few times, so that's yeah. not easy. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't know. I got to dig deep into that as well. The people are trying to say that it's like, you know, they, they got to kind of fold themselves. But, you know, the real answer is De'Aaron Fox. He's just not playing, and that's it. That once De'Aaron Fox comes back, we're not going to remember any of the issues they had to start the season. So let's. it's silly to think that, you know, anybody would say what's wrong with them when, I mean, he hasn't he – has, he played – oh, I'm sorry. He played the first three games, uh, and they were two and three in those games. Um but losing and getting blown out to Houston is is a problem. Uh, we need to dig into that a little bit. But yeah, there's some notion that like you know they're they're just kind of coming in a little too cocky for their for themselves. But um, again, with with Fox out for the last two games, that's a big one. Um, there's no question he's gonna he'll change all that. Yeah, they should be good. They should be good as the postseason yeah. goes along. Yeah, and then the Drew Show another is another super chat. My goodness, the Drew Show. Thank you, thank you. Phoenix title, Rising Sun or Empire of the Sun? TBD. Um, yes. Okay. There's gotta be another sunset, uh, pun you can make out of that too, I suppose, in case it doesn't work. But, um, yeah, the Phoenix, Phoenix is, uh, is, yeah, again, like I said, there's no work, no use even talking about it until we get 10 games with the big three out there and Nurkic and, uh, and Okogi, whoever else is going to be with them. So, um, but OKC Golden State, we could talk about that for a minute. You saw the ending of that game. Yep. Crazy court. Yeah. Crazy court. But a uh, crazier finish where yeah. Draymond uh, touches the rim and then uh, 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 Giddy grabs the, uh, the the net uh, while the ball is shot. And so by, uh, by so, way, by, so by the book, that's not where the ref should have went, right? But they kind of went practical here. Well, no. By the way, so so they, they can't review it unless they call it, right? So they they have to call the goaltend. It's no question. Just call it. And then you can either take it away or count it depending on what the review says. So that's good. They did that on, like, on purpose, no problem. Um, but um, what was the thing I was going to say? First of all, Josh Giddy, awesome. Just awesome. Just a terrific player, uh, really coming into his own. He, you know, the, I don't think he's ever going to be a three-point shooter uh, the way I, – I should just check before I completely say. But like, I'm watching him shoot like these mid-range two-motion shots, and it's like – you know, it's 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 fine. He's going to be good enough to be able to get in the rim. Guys are bouncing off of him. He's tough. Uh, it's such great vision. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny because I'm not looking really quickly. He's, he's averaging 4.3 assists per game, which is lower than he has normally doing. It should get up higher. But um, just a tough player and a really nice piece. Jalen Williams. He that guy has that guy has no weaknesses. Like tough on both sides of the floor, can get his own shot off, three level score, super athletic, yes. future future all star in my opinion. Right, and it's ridiculous they have two Jalen Williamses on their team, so that's crazy. But the En Jalen uh, is just again nothing is intimidating to him. He just goes at it. He is so physically tough, like yeah. he's like he's intimidating himself. That uh, really great get for them. 
Uh, they don't. SGA hasn't even played uh, recently, so it's like when they get him. So the idea that the Warriors could barely beat them without SGA tells you a lot. Chet is is terrific. They have a really really good team, and if they could stay healthy, um, they they should they should ruin a bunch of other Western Conference seasons. They, because I don't know if anyone really counted on them to, to be deep in the playoffs or whatever. They could they don't have the experience in the playoffs yet, but they can really be uh, the toughest of tough outs against anyone with that team. Yeah, no, they're super tough. They're the future, you know, or right now, however you want to look at it. Yeah, they're just about right now. That, that yeah. There's their title, just about right now. Yeah. Um, now, the ending, just to kind of clarify, because we had a lot of people on Twitter being really upset about, you know, what, what the interpretation of the goaltending rule is. And then the last two minute report came out and confirmed everything, which, so here's, what's interesting. I think we all assumed for the longest time that when the ball is shot and the, and the ball is like in the cylinder, the vertical version of the cylinder, anywhere in that area, and you touch the rim, it's goaltending. It's basket interference. Excuse me. Like just, there's no thought about it. It's, it, it is, it turns out though, that when you read the rules specifically, um, if you don't touch the ball with your hand, and you touch the backboard of the rim, and it doesn't make the ball move in an unnatural way, uh, or you don't collapse the rim and uncenter the rim, then it's not goaltending, which actually makes a lot of sense. Let the shot decide the game, right? And if they didn't really interfere with it, then great. Did I ever tell you the story about Beverly Hills High, uh, me getting a, a, a technical as a coach there? No? So do you ever see the movie It's a Wonderful Life? You don't know this movie, the black and white, you know, it's like they played every Christmas. Anyway, in that movie, you're probably aware there's a famous scene where they're dancing in the gym and the floor opens up into a pool underneath it. Wow. You don't know this? You don't even have this in your head at all? You don't this image? Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they, of course, they fall in the pool. It's all hilarious, yada, yada. This, this gym exists at Beverly Hills High School in the swim gym. And as a result, the, the basket stanchions are sort of not, you know, installed into the floor. They're installed sort of on the railing that goes around it, almost like a hockey railing thing. So oh. when you hit the backboard, the thing shakes. So we had a team, we were playing in this, ter in this tournament where they were just slapping the backboard on our, on our 15 footers. And like the referee could pretend, oh, they're going for the block shot. And so they hit the backboard. Whoops. But they weren't doing that. They were just shaking the rim because everyone knew how much it would move when you slapped it. And they wouldn't call a technical foul. They wouldn't call basket interference, whatever it was. And I had to finally just walk up there and, and take a tee because it was just so outrageous. Probably wouldn't do that now, but um, you know, it was it was just like a, it was just an affront to the game. Where's anyway, the video? Where's the video of this? That's what I want. Oh to wow! I don't know if we film those games. I had a very bare bones uh, staff uh, back then uh, coaching. Uh, I was lucky if I had anybody next to me uh, as an assistant in those games. Now. Uh, so, again, Draymond touches the rim, but doesn't touch the ball. And so that puts him in that set subset of it did the rim shake? Did it make the ball move unnaturally? No. So whatever. Same with Giddy. Did his pulling of the uh, net cause the rim to move, get on center, make the ball move? No. So they count the basket. Warriors win. Um, and, you know, it, and I've learned something. I mean, I, th I think I always assumed it, it had no bearing whether or not uh, it affected the ball or not. It, as long as he touched it, that was it. And that's not the case. So good for them to figure that out uh, in, you know, on the replay. Uh, last few minutes explained it. So hopefully the OKC fans can at least deal with that a little bit better. But them, they were upset. Yeah, I mean, it was such a crazy ending. And I just would say that if you go technically by the rules, it was incorrect, right? Like if you just get really technical, but the shot should have counted because he's Steph Curry. He got to his spot. He calibrated the shot blocker. He shot it over the, he, he floated it over the shot blocker. And it was so amazing. You don't want for the entertainment aspect of it. You don't want to take it away. Yes, but you are not correct. The rules are, were interpreted right. Oh, okay. It is okay. the rule. So the gotcha. rule is that has to count because they didn't appreciably affect the ball. They didn't move in a natural gotcha. motion. But gotcha. I think the point being was that kind of like the one-footed step through, everybody assumed for decades that you couldn't jump off of one foot on a step through. And yeah. it turns out it, you, you were always allowed to do that, right? So, but but if you would have tried to tell me that in 1989, I would have been I would have argued to the death, saying no, you can't. It's that's the rule, only because someone told me that. But when we actually look at the rule, when we actually pull it apart and read it really carefully, uh, we realize what what they're really actually hey, saying. Here's a question for you: Is hand actually part of the ball? Yes. Okay. It is. So um, yes, hand is part of the ball. A, we see that. Um, 
as, as, by the way, it's an extension of the high five rule where they allow it when you make a high five contact on a shot. It's 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 it connected to that part of the rule. But yes, if you are if your hand is on the ball and there's contact with the hand, um, then then um, I, I believe it's it's mostly focused on when you're dribbling or handling the ball and not shooting it. Oh, like um, what if you what if you're taking a layup? Let, let's say Coach Nick's taking a layup, and I wildly wildly swing and hit all hand and ball really hard. So that's yeah, not a foul. Um, We've seen that where I believe – see, the, the only problem I have to remember now, and I wish I had Chip with me here, uh, was uh, whether or not it's the shot is any different versus, like, the ball handling stuff. Uh, you know, hey, you know, if I get it stolen from me because they, they hit my hand and then the ball as part of one, you know, thing, that's not a foul. Um, but I, I believe it's still the same thing with the shot, too, like on that thing. Now, the wild swinging will tend to be a foul no matter what you do, right? So you never really want to have any wild swinging. But um, but we can get Chip out here and, and figure it out, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll weigh in on, on the uh, you clip this little part, and we'll get Chip on there, and we'll put it on Twitter. Um, all right, Martin Jose, best best friend of the breakdown. Hey, Martin, how's it going? Good to see you. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says Tyler Hero, twenty twenty four All Star. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder and motivated. Also, he trained with Drew Hanlon this past summer. Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a chip on his shoulder because he was put into trade packages for Portland and he feels like in his head, I'm sure he should be untouchable and he's an all-star level player. So I think he's probably trying to prove that and that not only will help Tyler's play, it will help Miami's play in the long run because they didn't even have the chance to have Tyler in the playoffs because of injury last year. Even though it might have helped them defensively, maybe it could help them in the playoffs this year to add that offensive punch that Tyler brings. For sure. I mean, it, it does. It definitely must have burned or hurt severely to watch his team go all the way to the finals uh, without him, right? And what did that say about him? Uh, this year he comes in, he's scoring about almost 26 a game, uh, 45% from the field overall, and 45% from three on eight and a half attempts per game with five assists, 5.7 rebounds. Uh, All-star numbers? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also numbers. Now, the Heat are really struggling. They can't, let's see, what well, their record right now is two and four. Um, you know they dropped the ball, right? What's that? They dropped the ball with James Harden. They dropped the ball with James Harden. Well, I mean, were they ever, I guess they were seriously in it. Um, of course but, they were. And by the way, the package that uh, LA gave up, like, it felt like Miami was offering a similar package, right? Yeah, I mean, they had a top 30 guy. Yeah. Ready to play i mean you you have to get him if you're miami because i feel like even though one might think james harden and miami it's not the greatest fit when you look at heat culture and james harden i feel like in a place where culture is set that it would be hard for any player to like blow the whole thing up and then you yeah. go through the honeymoon phase with james harden you have another top 30 guy on your team and i think it seriously raises your chances to win a championship there um okay um, I don't know. I don't know. And by the way, the other thing was, is it's quite possible that Philly, uh, simply didn't want to send Harden to another Eastern conference team. That's fair. You know, and that could have been the bigger issue there. Why they didn't. Cause otherwise you're right. If they could have gotten, cause here's the thing, Philly didn't get a player back that would like sort of play that position that Harden did. And you'd think they would get a starter at the shooting guard position, right? Like that would just seem like no, not a no brainer. And they didn't really, right. They got uh Batum and they got Morris and they got, uh, I don't know anybody else and some picks. So it's like, um, wait, am I forgetting somebody really good in that deal? No, who <laughs> that LA gave up? I don't think so. Um, at any rate, um, they gave out they gave out Morris, Batum, KJ Martin. Oh yeah, right. Who's also a bigger uh, as a forward? Um, yeah. Do you have to imagine that KJ Martin must have some trade value to another team that, that yeah. is going to be able to figure it out like this year, but we'll see. And also uh, maybe he'll get some playing time to raise that trade value because he didn't, he wasn't going to get much opportunity with the Clippers. Yeah. And I don't know where he's going to get it much for the Sixers either, but, um, we'll see, you know, cause they, they have, you know, uh, some players that position that are good that get already get minutes. Um, but what I want to say, and then someone's like trying to say in the comments, uh, let's see, uh, no, that like, like because Steph shot it. That's why they called. They counted the basket. And no, it wouldn't. It doesn't matter who shot that ball. The rule is the rule. So I just want to make sure that's clear. That, that what the rule is is that if they don't, if that contact of the rim or the backboard does not appreciably affect the ball at all, uh, and there's no contact with the ball itself, then it's not goaltending. It counts. Um, Fair. 
Can you get called for the goaltending if the ball's below the rim? No, I don't believe so. I, I believe that all the rules in that list of six or seven different caveats all require the rim to be, uh, the ball to be up on the rim or like in the ring or falling through the ring. Um, it's fascinating. And, you know, they kind of wrote them like that way to, to make sure that they could get it right, which was, you know, if there wasn't an effect, then we got to let the ball decide. Like, that's what we want. We don't want the refs to decide these games. So at any rate, um, oh, oh, Rocco, Rocco as well. Forgive me. Forgive me. Um, you know, another guy who just um, he just should be playing on a team. Twenty. I agree. Games. I agree. I totally agree. I think something in Ty Lu, with him and Ty Lu wasn't right. I don't think they ever quite got along. And, you know, when your coach isn't in favor of you, that often leads to less opportunity. But yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a player. He's a player that could still help that team in theory, the Clippers, like if he was still there with yeah. what they have. You know, like. I almost feel like I, he was playing a little bit this year. Let me just check that. Um, uh, well, the, probably because they want to raise, raise his trade value. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like I had seen – I was like, oh, I, I, was, I was going through some of the Clippers games. I was like, he's out there. Let's see. Yeah, he played in uh, almost all the games. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. So he was playing minutes and maybe for that same reason. Uh, or they realized, yeah, this guy's really good. He can he give a lot on defense. Um, let's see, did he, she didn't shoot really well from three, but you know, we've seen him be able to unlock some of that in, in the past. So, um, yeah, he should be playing more. Emmanuel quickly should be playing more. We, we didn't even get in the Knicks. So this show is about to wrap up, I guess, but the Knicks, uh, look to be a bit of a mess. And you know, like I've been how many years has it been since I've said they've been, they should trade Randall. I think it's, been yeah, no, you were, it's interesting because you were saying when he was playing really well, they should trade Randall, which seemed like crazy in the moment crazy. because he was because he was an all nba player but now in hindsight i heard you know fans screaming this like what you were saying before they were saying uh shout out to cp Knicks fan tv he posted something a fan was saying is like why don't we trade randall uh, uh, i'm not saying a verbatim when he's playing well and then we we want we all want to trade him when he's not and he has no trade value like right like we, we should have traded we, it back then. And you were saying that in the moment, which is right. And again, I was saying it because it wasn't about him going up on ISOs and those long twos and all those bad shots uh, against the bottom 15 teams in the league. It was about what happens when you get to the second round of the playoffs. And right. that's what we continue to see over and over again, how it doesn't work there. And right. he's got, he's just got a cloud that follows him all over the place. Uh, you know, personality wise, whatever it is, he's just, uh, he just is a downer. He's a gr he, He's grumpy. And, you know, we saw him, so they ran a play, um, shout out to um, Rit, um, gosh, I got forgot the guy's a guy on uh, on Twitter who's a great Knicks uh, thing, Rittenholzer, I think. Uh, he he had the back-to-back -back plays where they ran a play for uh, for uh, uh, Randall on a, on the left side, pin down or something, comes around, scores, right? And then they run the same play again down the stretch, and uh, while they're waiting for it to materialize, and it might have taken a little bit longer uh, Brunson kind of an gets antsy and goes one-on-one -on -one and misses the shot. And so R Randall just comes down and doesn't, doesn't run down the court. It kind of walks. It wasn't really his fault that the other team scored to pretty much end the game. I think it was a three, uh, an and one by uh, Lillard on a, on a, you know, a back, back door cut was open and then they slipped past. Um, but if Randall had just sort of had a little more energy, he might've been down there to maybe just be a help defender in rotation. Instead, he just walked down the court. So, you know, you can't do that. It's a really bad look no matter what and who you think is at fault there. Um, and uh, it's time. It's time. And then, we, you know, the other thing is we got to do a deep dive on the Bucks in general as well. The look, I think that there are Bucks fans who are not happy with the coaching. Um, I got to take a deep dive and look at that. I know they were trying to play a little bit different defense without Brooke sinking all the time in the lane so deep all the time. But uh, and it wasn't necessarily working. But I got to check that out and look and see if that's really the case. Because if you haven't so, figured it out yet, when these things come out and people say stuff about certain players or certain coaches, whatever, I always look at it with a bit of a skeptic skepticism. You know, because a lot of times it's not right. And it, it, even though it takes hold and everyone's saying it, everyone believes it, um, it's a lot of times it's not true. And that's what I spend a lot of my time having to either debunk or confirm. To put it in a bow, to put a bow on it, the Bucks were really struggling until they played the Knicks the other night and then they won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't so, easy, right? It yeah. wasn't easy for the Bucks yeah. on that game either, as it shouldn't be. The Knicks are decent and they're they're good, but again, I don't know, man. Their all their offense is not decent. You know, another thing I was thinking about with the Knicks coach Nick that I never really realized, they got like three bigs that they want to play, like they kind of want to have in the rotation that are not spacers. And I think that's really tough in the modern NBA. Yeah. Like you have you have um well Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson, I I, I heart. And then the other big, who's a very um, athletic vertically, um, what's his name? 
Somebody in the comments tell me. Yeah, exactly. They got, I mean, three guys they want to play that aren't spacers. I mean, that just doesn't work in the modern NBA. And Randall's like, a, I guess you could consider him a stretch big, but who right. Knows? Well, I mean, your argument you could be like, well, they could all play, but it's not the same time with each other. But they shouldn't be on the same team, right? Like, there's yeah, there's not enough minutes in the game to like play. Then, then at any one time, one of those guys is going to be on the floor, right? Pretty much. Yeah. And then you you need to have moments as well when they're not on the floor and you're going small ball. You have to have that that, that you know the five six minute run. Yeah, so I don't think I, doesn't play. I don't think it's conducive in the modern it. I don't think it's conducive in the modern NBA to have three bigs that aren't spacers, like, on your roster, period. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I mean, listen, you know, there's fit, was there 15 guys on there? You know, I, maybe you could kind of do it, and one of them never plays anyway because you don't play the 14th to 15th guy, whatever. But so I don't know that if that works. But that said, Jericho Sims is good. I like how he, how he plays. All three, of them are, all three of them are good. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, by the way, they had a third-ranked offense last year. So, and I was shocked at that when I saw that. But again, we're talking about a regular season in the NBA where you play against a lot of bad defenses. And so that gets inflated. And then when you, you know, again, where we tend to always talk about what this looks like for the playoffs. And that's where the Knicks are going to be struggling. I test. Fans want. They want deep run in the playoffs. I test the offense is not the third best. Bing bong. <laughs> not this year. That's for sure. Not, I mean, not any year. I mean, I guess I'm thinking about the playoffs last year, maybe, but it's like a lot of taking turns with Brunson and then yeah. Julius Randle. And then like when they don't get to where they want to go, they just kick it out and nothing's really happening. Yeah. Well, we have an, our, our, our perhaps our last super chat. I think, uh, thank you so much, Bron. Cause again, we always want to make these shows quick and tight in 30 minutes. And the next thing you know, the conversation is going so well that here we are. So I'm, I'm in, I'm in combo, but uh, let's get to our last super chat. Bron, thank you so much. Uh, he says, coach, Hear me out. I think the perfect team to run your chase defense would be Boston. Two defensive guards, two big wings, and Porzingis in the middle. Without question, yes, they are perfect for this. The way that I've designed it, the way I'm using uh, the point zone by Dean Smith as the, as the anchor of the defense, because, again, the five just plays a windshield wiper mode between the ball and the basket, which is what Porzingis would be perfect at. Um, I do have other ideas to, um, to break it out until using different zones, which would then have interchangeable fives. Like, uh, you know, maybe with like a, um, a uh, Siakam at the five with like OG and those guys, are the, the, you know, the tallest guys. Um, but yes, without question, um, the chase defense, uh, which is about to unleash itself across the world combo. We're finally going to get some games with all these different teams I've done zooms with. Um, so I'm really anxious to find out what's going to happen with the uh, with the chase defense playing behind the ball. So if I go watch Queens College this year, I'll see some chase defense going on. You should. Yes, you will. Um, I don't, and by the way, I'm not sure they want anyone to know yet what they're doing, but uh, <laughs> what's well, let's, let them I mean, they know now, they know now because everybody, know now. everybody watches the B ball breakdown live show with Coach Nick and Combo. So that's right. Know. So, anyhow, but um, yeah, so that's I'm, I'm really excited. Remember the three year plan this is division two colleges this year, division one next year, and then the NBA the year after. So, okay. uh, that's the plan. I'm sticking to it, and uh, I think that's going to be it. I got to get back to doing this. Um, this play, uh, I, why do I keep saying the plan? So weird. Uh, the NBA Cup, the NBA in-season tournament. Um, you know, Synergy is calling it the NBA Cup. It's very strange, but I don't see anybody else calling it that. I think that makes sense, though. It's very reminiscent to what Europe does in soccer and basketball. Yeah. So, yeah. Like World Cup, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, you know what? We just got one more. Jim is throwing his, his lot in here with a super chat. Thank you so much, Jim. Um, do you think that Tibbs is holding back the Knicks offense? Combo, you want to weigh in? Yes. Bring, yeah. in Jay, bring in Jay Wright. He's the coach. They're the Ooh. Nova Knicks. Ooh. He was using modern offense before modern offense was being used in the NBA. Bring in Jay Wright. Go watch Tibbs. my interview with Jay Wright. I have a one-on-one -on -one exclusive about exactly that, how he developed the five-out offense. There you go. Yeah. Bing uh, bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. Whatever that is. Um, now, the thing with um, – uh, with Tibbs is yes, I mean he's always sort of been the defensive coach. They ran the triangle offense though. They had stuff back even with um, you know D Rose in in Chicago. So um, you know, but yeah, it does feel to some degree like yeah, there's some issues with um, with their offense. And I don't know if he, if it's the control thing where you know you got guys who like to ISO and, and and sort of kill the motion and kill the movement of the of the offense. And so uh, how much control do you have over those guys? And how much can you tell them, hey, quit doing that? Uh, have they tuned him out? You know, has he sort of bellowed and yelled from the sidelines too, so much? They're just kind of like, don't listen to him anymore. I don't know. But it's an interesting question. 
All right. Well, let's uh, we'll wrap that up with uh, that's a great show. I think we had a really good discussion. I think we 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 solved some problems, didn't we, Combo? We definitely solved some problems. We talked a lot of Harden fit with the Clippers, and we'll see tonight versus the Knicks. Who we ended off with, so it all comes full circle. All right. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Steve Holler. Steve's hollering at us. Could Wemby win Defensive Player of the Year this year? I, I don't. I, Chet might win it over him this year. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's crazy, two rookies. Wow. Yeah, but the, but you you know but the plays that Wemby makes are like a whole other level of highlight. Now, uh, I what I like about Chet is that he'll get muscled under the basket and still recover to block the shot. Wemby doesn't do that yet. He's getting muscled and he's out of the play. But Wemby's blocking three pointers. Like that's a thing. He's going to block three pointers now that no one ever thought would be blocked, um, and change that whole section. So it's a and, and then by the way, you're going to have guys just like not shoot threes. Like he'll have the kind of um, you know, when you go up against like Gobert, a lot of times teams shoot less shots in the bat at the in the lane, right? Because of him, he mm-hmm. Wemby might turn it where they're going to shoot less threes because of that. Yeah. He's gonna block them, and then you know if he blocks them, then it's a dunk for him on the other end. So um, uh, yeah, I I would let's just say that they're going to be one two this year for deep defensive player of the year. Is that is that a hot take? No, and like I'm even surprised when these good players have like incredible games against the Spurs. Like Luca had a crazy game against the Spurs that it showed like how much of a basketball savant he is. Like he kind of just always went when Wemby wasn't around. Like his feel for the game is just on a whole other level. Yeah. And then Scotty Barnes, who I've been really high on since the draft, had a nice game versus the Spurs. So I always look to see like who's getting affected by Wemby and who's not. Yeah, so that's oh, always OG got caught a couple times on a three in the corner and then on layup. OG. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, all right, I'm not going to light him on fire, but there's a guy who was a young player who was getting all the defensive player of the year love for a couple of years, and they think he's still great. I went through – well, I guess I'm going to tell you. I went well, I went through one of the, the, uh, the, the in-season tournament games, and it featured – well, I'll just say this. I was watching the Pacers scores. And the same so guy – nar- So you narrowed it, we narrowed it down to five teams now. Well, you know, it's only what, one what, because we're talking what, about the play. What other, what other hints are you going to give? We, we, know who the, we know who the Pacers play in the tournament. And this player, uh, I mean, listen, remember I told you when there's a, a thing takes hold and everyone believes it and it's the whole thing. Uh, I, I don't, I've never really bought into this whole notion of the, how great he was defensively. And I got to tell you, enough times when you see some of the scores that are on, uh, scored on him, you know, for a guy who's supposed to be this incredible game-changing defensive player – um, I don't, I don't see it. And, it's, and, and I don't know if you have like a bad defensive game. Like, is it, are you cold? Oh, from I've, oh I've had a lot of them. Yeah, you have. Or, or you, you been, yeah, you got hot on defense for, for, you know, some games and you're no, cold. Just, just usually cold. Yeah. I think it's a pretty consistent thing. So, um, <laughs> I can't do that video, unfortunately, because I'm not here to light people on fire. I don't want to make it harder than everybody, but, um, it is a thing where, uh, I couldn't believe it. And I, and it was like, it was. It could have been up to eight or nine baskets uh, in that one game. And when you get to that level, um, you know, and effort-wise, a couple of them, and just like ineffectual. Like you know, if you're supposed to be that guy, if you're not that guy, and the guy scores, okay, I get it. But when you're supposed to be that guy, you're not affecting the defense enough. Then I'm. I scratch my head big time. At any rate, um, but but I, I I don't know. I don't think I can do that video. It would be mean. And uh, and I and I don't want to be mean to Russ when I do the video and I'm showing this stuff. Sometimes it's just hilarious. You know, I gotta tell you. I get a kick out of seeing Russ's turnover sometimes because they're so – what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you, know, you know I'm the one I'm talking about, the one in the backcourt where he, he lifted up off of one foot and was like, oh, and they just and you just threw it. It's like I, – I don't know. They, I, I derive some weird pleasure because it's so audacious. It's so amazingly unbelievable. All right. I guess the key here is pretend to end the show and then people will continue to ask questions via Super Chat. So Jim Lawrence is back with us. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. It really helps us. Um, I love when you bag on the idea that coaches can't develop and win at the same time. It's a common trope in sports overall, not just b-ball. Absolutely. That, it's a real college thing, right? Where, you know, I'm here to win. I'm not here to, like, develop them for the NBA. And I'm like, those are two of the same things, my man. And you're going to get fired if you don't want to develop your players' individual skills. Uh, you know what I mean? That just it never made sense to me. And if you don't want to develop skills for like the next level for your player, then what are you doing on your offense that's so archaic that they won't they don't need those skills? You know what I mean? Yeah, no skill development. When you have better players, you have better teams. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So there's that there's my thing. So yeah, it's a, the tropes in sports. I guess I learned, you know, to to try and dispel uh, or, or be very suspicious of uh, when I hear them. And by the way, it's funny because when I dispel them, the suspicion on me becomes so great. Like on Twitter, I have to kind of try and walk people through why we've learned that like these things are a lot more suboptimal than these newer you know things that we use through science and through testing and through all these different things. It's hard. It's hard to change people's minds. You know what I mean? Yeah, people are stuck in their ways. Yeah. So like a left, right catch and shoot shot from a kick out from the post, you know, it might be better as a righty to do a right left, but try convincing people who, who were taught that, you know, by somebody they trusted when they were in sixth grade. Right. That's the other thing. It's amazing. They kind of, they learned it like a long time ago from someone who was like a, you know, a middle school coach or something. And like, it's that, that's the gospel. Like they can't be wrong. And it's it just, it's just, that's, it's just fascinating to me. And it, it probably explains a lot of things about a lot of things in this world. Yes. And what will we think is crazy a hundred years from today that we think is gospel now? That's always interesting to think about. Do you think I'll leave you with this because we made it to an hour. Amazing. Do you think, you know, we look back on the scientists from 2000 years ago and we just like this ridiculous. They didn't know anything. Right. And that's. do you think 2000 years from now they're going to say the same thing and think we don't know anything about science? A hundred percent. And that's why it's important for people to know we close we know close to absolutely nothing. I guess, but it just seems like what we know about like physics and gravity and all that stuff, it's hard to imagine that they they would be able to look at that 2,000 years from now and be like, that was so backwards and wrong. You know what I mean? Like they could build upon that and keep going from there, but I, yeah. I don't know. It seems weird to me that they're going to figure I, that that's going to be. I mean, it might not be the physics. It might be something else that we're not even thinking about. Like, how did we drive cars like that? You know, like, why did we think of something different? Okay, like flying cars, right? I guess, but you Whatever know, maybe there's just certain things that seem kind of like you know, or or look, us holding a phone like this might seem crazy a hundred years from now. People were holding their phones in front of them. How uncomfortable was that? Like it's not attached to their eye or in a goggle or something, which they already have the goggle thing going right. on. Well, though that's a little different than like the science-based things that we have now in terms of like physics, right? That that like you know, we're gonna two thousand two thousand years from today, we'll know a lot more about physics than we do today. Right. More. But like, is it going to be like, were we so backwards now that like, what, what were they thinking? You know, we, we look at medicine 100 years ago, they're using leeches and stuff like that. Like, that's obviously crazy. And I'm, I'm still waiting for the tricorder to come out where you wave it around the guy and then, you know, he's healed from cancer like that. Well, I can't wait for that to happen. But um, but, you know, uh, the, what we have now is for the physics stuff and the science stuff. it seems like we only continue to build upon that and not just sort of say that was completely wrong. But guess what? This conversation has now turned into two more super chats that we now need to answer because that's what we do on the show. And again, thank you guys. This is crazy. Ven, Ven, thank you so much, Ven. Why are my Lakers so bad in the first quarter? What causes teams to have a slow start? Gosh, is that really what's been happening with the Lakers this year? Um, you know, I mean, you, I could I could say why the Lakers are just not as good as they should be. It's because they have to try and preserve LeBron. And when LeBron's off the court, they've been really bad. Yes, they're missing a few players, but they're trying to manage his minutes and also win basketball games, which is a really tough dance to do. Well, listen, I, I hate to, you know, uh, point out a fallacy here, but it, it, they're not really managing his minutes if he's averaging almost 36 a game. Well, no, there's some games that he's played 29, 28. And he's played all, all six games that way. Uh, really? Well, then yeah. that must mean that he's played a couple of games of like 40s, which is at, yeah, for the because they needed him to win. Like, right. I think that was the plan. They said so, that was the plan. Well, but usually to me, what that indicates is there's, there's an issue with the starting lineup, right? So like if we look at the last game the Lakers played, they're starting. So it's Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Cam Reddish, D'Angelo Russell, hmm, and Anthony Davis. So they might need to adjust their starting lineups because I'm looking right now. I thought, okay, LeBron must be coming out early uh, in those stints. And he does. He plays uh, – no, he plays six minutes in the first quarter and then comes out then and then comes back in for the, the end of the, of the first quarter. So that's another reason why they might want to adjust that, maybe give LeBron a little bit longer run and then don't put him back until the second quarter. Um, but I, I would imagine that maybe it's the Cam Reddish. Let me look real quick on um, – there's one page on the um, on the NBA stats page I really like, uh, which is basically an on on off court sum should be summary. And so when you go to the Lakers, I'm just kind of curious. Um, it's not obviously don't forget defensive rating sucks for individual players. It's not always perfect, but when you look at like the difference for offensive rating, you know, so the, obviously the guys who have the most profound effect right now um, on the on the court versus off is LeBron at twenty three point seven plus is the difference right. in offensive rating. That was my point. 
Christian Wood is second at 15.9. So he's been had a really positive effect there. Now, D'Lo is third at 15.5. Uh, all, the, all the people with the negative stigma outside of LeBron being really good, like Christian Wood, Russell, right? Like everybody yeah. wants to bag on those guys, but they've right. been good. And, you know, and, and Christian Wood's also been good defensively for them. Like while he's in the court, they're playing well defensively. So Cam Reddish actually is, is 0.2. So he's a barely above water uh, on his offensive impact while they're on while he's in the court, um, which is better than I may have thought it was going to be. So the guys that are struggling, Anthony Davis is negative 1.5. And I think his shooting, like they wanted him to shoot a lot of threes. And AD, let's see here. Is he shooting any? No, he's only shooting one a game. Oh, actually, never mind. He's up to 42.9%. I think that, that must he must have hit a couple recently because it was lower than that. But D'Lo is at 27.5% from three on almost seven a game. Um, you know, Reeves is at out of four a game. He's only he's shooting under 30%, so that hurts them. So there is a starting lineup issue, I would imagine, if that's what I'm looking at. And then really quickly, let's look at um, – let me look at the uh, the lineup data because I'm curious here for what's happening for the Lakers. So we go, we go to advanced, we choose Lakers, and the Lakers lineup data will show us something here. So the starters uh, have only played four games together for 55 minutes, and they're to negative 22. So there's another example there. It's probably not just the first quarter. It's probably the third quarter as well. So you have to imagine they're looking at this pretty closely, and they're going to probably give it another few games. But I would, be, I would predict that it would go – oh, actually, I'm sorry. That was with Prince. That was not with Cam Reddish in the starting lineup. So the Prince starting lineup, uh, it was a problem. And then the next most played lineup has only played two games together. Uh, that's the Reddish um, starting lineup, and that's negative 8.6. So they're struggling. They got to find uh, some better a better lineup that has – well, let's see. Who is it? It's going to be uh, Davis, James, I guess any, Reeves, right? Reeves is going to start. So it's between Reddish and Russell and Prince. They got to figure out a better version of that. Maybe, hey, maybe it's Vincent. Yeah. I, I thought that Vincent was struggling a little bit because he wasn't playing with uh, enough with like LeBron. And I feel like what he was playing, um, he was playing better because uh, it was Miami because he was with the starters uh, when they, uh, when, uh, what's you just, now? could you decipher this for me, Coach Nick? Yes. Yeah, so, Jim, again, thank you so much, Jim. Another super chat. Thanks, My Jim. Uh, there's a lot of authority fallacy type thinking. So basically, um, you know, somebody in a, pla in, a, in a place of authority will speak like they're an authority, uh, like they have a knowledge, and then it just sounds right, and then people just assume that he's right, and there's no way to challenge that. Um, again, I'm suddenly I'm talking like I'm the authority then, and people want to challenge that. So I take my time. I try and be patient with people like that because I get it. I, I, they're looking at me like I'm looking at the other person saying whatever. Um, but you know, I, I tend to like to bring, you know, video evidence, right? That's where we go. If you have video evidence then you know, you explain, uh, you know, the way I do it, I, I usually think most people follow and understand it. So that's, that's the key there. But, um, yeah, a lot of those guys, like those old coaches who've been winning a ton of games in the college, they have no reason to change. They have no reason to think that anything is better. And so they don't, they don't change and then they pass it all down and then other coaches absorb it. And then it, 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 we get into this horrible cycle. So there's gotta be a, a, an authority, authority cycle uh, fallacy or something as well, because it keeps, it keeps going generation to generation. And that's the problem. So I have nothing, my work, uh, cut out for me combo. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Okay. Nothing unreal exists. Okay, I, that, that's sort of, yes. Yes, I think I would reply to that. So, all right, it's now time to end the show. No more Super Chats. Thank you guys so much. We'll get we'll catch you again uh, next week uh, when we do. So, awesome stuff. Thank you, all you guys. Too many to even mention right now, but it really, really, it really helps. Um, Combo, thank you, uh, uh, as always, for coming and hanging out with me. It was a lot of fun, Coach Nick. We'll talk soon. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win? You win, Combo? There it was. Episode 523 is in the books. Thank you to everyone who tunes to the Cowboys court across the globe. Go punch down on that subscribe button for Beatball Breakdown on YouTube as well. You know this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. For a first deposit match up to $100, punch in code combo that's right go to prize picks and punch in code combo for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars shouts to good drills a link is in the description for more information on good drills the all-encompassing basketball skill development and strength training app be on the lookout for episode 524 combo out